Yes, hello folks, welcome along to the Irish F1 show for the first time live on Facebook, YouTube and on Twitter. We said, do you know what, let's give it a crack, let's see how we get on. Uh, we will be on Spotify and Apple and on Google and all the usual podcast audio platforms. Um, probably within 30 minutes to an hour after the programme, but uh, yeah, we said we'd, we'd give it a crack. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, delighted to have a sponsor on board, PFT Travel, catering for all your transport requirements from a private minibus to our luxury air-conditioned coaches, perfect solutions for you, travel and comfort, driving style of PFT Travel, you can contact MJ on 087-624-8831 or email pfarreltransport at yahoo.com and they're also on Facebook there at Transport Limited. Thanks to MJ and to Farrell. Uh, PFT Travel and PFR Transport Limited for coming on board with us here for the programme. So I'm joined as always by Mr. Barry Rabbit and Richard Carney. Gentlemen, how are you doing? All right, Kevin, all Richie. All good. Great to have you on here once more, lads. Well, look, we'll uh, we'll start with what it's like from a fan's pr- perspective. And um, I have to say, right, having been there, it was everything you guys built it up to be and, and probably 10 times more. An incredible experience in terms of the spectacle and what you actually see develop on the track. I do have a few hankerns as well. Uh, nothing to do with what's on the track. But we are all about balance here and pros and cons. Um, I suppose it's going to sound a bit critical first because the cons will come in the order of how my weekend actually panned out. So <laughs> on Friday, it's quite interesting. So uh, beautiful Olympic Stadium I built, obviously, what, 92 or whatever. Uh, great amphitheater you can see almost everywhere from where we were on Grandstand L but on the Friday as you as you rock up the information you're given from the stewards and stuff is that even though gate 7 is your entry you can also go through gate 4 and you can go through two tunnels under the track to get to where you want to go but obviously the caveat being on the Friday as you rightly said last time Barry is that you can actually go anywhere you want and that's super because you get to go into a few different grandstands see what it's like and you know, if you decide you want to go back again and you fancy maybe Grandstand K or Grandstand E or F or whatever, uh, you get a flavour of what that's like. So that's that's fine. Um, however, uh, outside then your toilet tunnel is open. Then you go in. There's no tunnel open. So you're there after spending whatever amount of money you're after spending for Grandstand L, which is admittedly tricky to get to. Uh, and then the tunnel is closed for some strange reason, even though the signage is there. Uh, and yes, the obvious one for a smart arse out there will be to, well, why didn't you go to gate 7? Well, gate 7 is literally around the far side, lads. And if you're told outside by a sure that it's open, you take it at face value. Uh, it gets better. So I took a picture of the tunnel and uh, I messaged the page, the Circuit to Catalonia page that night, just to find out would the tunnel be open on the Saturday. And the response was gas. It was like, we don't have that information at the moment, but message us again in the morning, we'll let you know. Right? So, Manana. That's the whole Spanish, isn't it? Tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know how long like this race has been going on there since God is a young fella and it's been coming up like genie Mac and you couldn't get information okay right it's fine so let's bring us on to a positive then so you go in there you're over uh, between turn 5 and 6 uh, on the bank which is great and you're eagerly anticipating the arrival of the first car and to be honest with you I don't think it would have matter what car it was mind was just blown um I can't think of whether it was Vettel or Stroll, but it was definitely Aston Martin to come over for us. And you're just like, oh, wow. Like, it's just incredible. Yeah. And the noise, I know, doesn't compare to what maybe it did going back years ago, but it's still a unique noise that you don't get anywhere else. As it comes around the front, yeah, it's just like, oh, man. it's Words words just can't describe. And that was an outlap, probably. 
that's just an outlap. That's yeah. just a fucking outlap, yeah. like you know. It's, an installation uh, lap. An installation lap is all that. Even, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like really, really cool. And no different on the Saturday when we actually were in Grandstand L. I think one of the Williams were out for us for uh, practice. No, we weren't there for start practice session three. It was yeah, it was a no practice session two. We were in Grandstand K on the Friday, and Williams came out for us down that main straight, and it's like. Yeah, again, same feeling. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou came out first, I think, for Quali on the Saturday. We're in Grandstand L. Same feeling. It's like the first time every time. It's just, <laughs> it's just incredible. And then of course, no, it is the first time you see them is just. I, I the first car I seen, I was at Silverstone, and it was I was standing at the uh, at Cops first corner. So mm-hmm. the cars are coming dead straight at me, and then they're turning drivers right, so to my left, if you like, in fact, and. Um, I think I drove the track before, actually, and I know on a Formula Ford or something before I was there, and it was a scary corner. And you arrive in a Formula Ford in fourth gear, about 110 mile an hour, and went around at about 105 mile an hour. And I remember just watching that, and I think like that it was a minority or something. It was, it was a nothing car really, and he's just exaggerating and exaggerating towards me through the heat haze, getting bigger and bigger and faster, and you know, almost at the point where I was ready to run. So it's like this thing, this throttle stuck open on it or something, and. Uh, <laughs> And next day, I, I, I waited. He was in whatever, six or seven gear, whatever he had at the time. And I was full sure he was going to hit the brakes, go down about two gears and go through the corner. He went up a gear and just turned. <laughs> it just, I literally, I, I was about a half a second from turning on my heels and running. Like, just like, this <laughs> is not getting through here. Like, it's just, like you said, absolutely mind-blowing. It's yeah. just, it, does, it looks like they've just, you're watching something in, in fast forward or something, you know, it's incredible. You'll never, and it, it, you know, you'll never get that first real, you know, yeah, experience again. So it's good. To, mm-hmm. It's good. It's good to know that. Like the only thing I can compare to lads is I saw Colin McRae and a Marto Escort rallying in Killarney in 05. And I'll never forget that. Just the way he came into the corner and went around the fucking corner, even just doing double O duty. That, that never leaves you regardless. Like, you know, that's, that's always, memory that you're going to have but yeah like that's uh, it was it was just it was just so so cool and then where we were i suppose for a race day in grandstand l the biggest complaint you can have is you don't know where to look it's just great the viewing as you said the amphitheater is it's just incredible you will always see three or four different parts of the track if you are anywhere between the main grandstand we'll say and up as far as maybe turn seven which is which is pretty cool that you can actually yeah. go and say that, like, you know. And I don't think there's too many of them like that, in fairness. There wouldn't be, no. No, but Catalonia, is, it is a bit of an amphitheater. It's, it's a good spot for watching, for sure. You picked a good one. From a viewing yeah. point of view. Yeah, no, look, it's... Uh, hopefully next year, anyway, we'll have uh, a few press passes sorted. <laughs> wouldn't it be great to get over, though, huh? Be class, man. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, an experience, no matter what way you do it. Yeah. So, look, that's, that's kind of a little kind of insight into what it was like from the get-go. I know we'll maybe delve back into it as we're talking about events that transpired as the the episode trickles along. Uh, but, as always, um, well, no, not as always, actually. I won't say that, because last time, Barry, me and you talked more about uh, stuff that didn't involve F1 because of the yeah. lack of quality and anything to talk about regarding Miami. But mm-hmm. fortunately, we had a good bit to talk about here. So I want to talk... The what the, I didn't say this to you beforehand, actually. It's not under an order. But all the talk, I think, was a Thursday and Friday was about the Aston Martin and the investigation from uh, the governing body about... Jeez, that's, that's a lot like a Red Bull. Um, and 
a German reporter went up to Vettel and asked him, how, how does it feel like to be back at Red Bull, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Yeah, and speaking of Vettel, actually, just separate now, I see he got mugged this morning. Did he? Did he? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, uh, sorry, mugged is the wrong way to describe it. He got robbed this morning. He stepped out of the car, I think, for a moment, and uh, a number of items were, were taken on him. Jeez, it's a bit of a, it's, it's happening a bit to F1 drivers lately, isn't it? Was yeah, it, was it, it Norris Leclerc? lost the watch, and then uh, was it Norris that lost the watch at some football match or something there last oh, year? Yeah, same thing taken off him. Yeah, yeah, and Leclerc, and Leclerc and there Leclerc, more yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah. Opportunities out there. How these guys need to harden up as Marley. <laughs> <laughs> Richie'd have the two front teeth gone over. <laughs> but uh, lads, look, let's get back. Let's get back to it then, right? Um, the the qualifying like the Claire spinning and then somehow still getting just about well he had a bit of time on it but to point a lap like that having made a mistake to recover so quickly and Paul I think that's uh, noteworthy anyway Barry I'll start with you yeah I mean it's not the lap in itself it's the it's the as we spoke before it's the mental um, mm-hmm. fortitude needed to do it because you come in and qualifying you you know you you kind of build up to it. You add a little bit of time, you add a little bit of time, you add a little bit of time, or well, take time away technically, you're trying to go faster. But um to do it with no real practice run, I suppose, and no safety net. You know, just the, the you know, do everybody we all know it's called the banker lap. It's kind of like ninety-five percent, ninety-eight percent, maybe depending on how good you are, of what you're what you think you're capable of. You kind of have that in your pocket so that when you really go for it. Um, if it all comes un- unstuck, that y- you know you have that fourth place position, I suppose, or whatever. Um, so to lay it all on the line and do what he did with with no banker lap, with no safety net, um, yeah, driving skill incredible. But I think it's the it's the the mental fortitude there to do that is a really impressive bit, and you know, especially considering he's had a few kind of little hiccups, you know, at Imola and things like that. So um, yeah, very impressive. Richie, your thoughts on that and maybe in general? Yeah, um, just touching on what Barry said, you can also go the opposite way where you get thrown in at the deep end and the time is taken away from you and you just, you near enough don't have time to think. You just got to get on with it and, and like that's some mental strength for him to come out and put in a lap like that. Considering the circumstances, he um, what a lap, what a drive, you know. Not much more you can say about. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts on practice or quality before we actually go on to the race, which was obviously full of drama? No, as I, I, I was watching it. There's kind of <clears throat> I was up in Belfast for some mates weekend, so I was kind of watching it in the background. But um, it, uh, it, it, it was really all about Leclerc. I thought just, just in, in terms of getting that pole lap in. That's the only thing of note, really. I suppose that I took from it, but I may have missed it because I said I wasn't giving it my full attention at the time. Maybe mm-hmm. Russell's qualifying position, maybe. Um, I think Mercedes in general, lads, just to remark upon before we get to the race, that there seemed to be a, notab- um, a notable difference in performance from, like, Russ has been pretty good anyway, right? But in general, the, the car seemed to perform that bit better. Would you agree? No more of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did, it did seem better, to be fair. Um, less porpoise or whatever they call it, but I think that could be, you know, is it maybe a little bit of a track, maybe they're not hitting the top speeds they were, as well. but it, it was an improvement, for sure. Um I I know people were people were getting very, you know I know Hamilton came from the back to put that to one side for a minute I know we're moving into the race a little bit from a, from a weekend's performance point of view 
I think they were a little bit flattered. I think everyone was talking about it, so that kind of set it up. And then with the two Ferraris, you know, one not finishing and one, you know, being further back in the chud due to the spin. Really, all that happened is the Mercedes got ahead of the Ferraris where they'd normally be behind them. But they were really only ahead of them because of Ferrari mistakes as opposed to Mercedes pace. So, I don't know. I think it might be, uh, uh, you know, one swallow. What does it what's to say? One swallow doesn't make a doesn't summer. Make summer. Kind of yeah, so I think we might have to wait and see. Monaco is a little bit of a strange one. So, maybe it could be on to the next one before we can be really sure. But, yeah, I think it was maybe slightly over, over-egged the, the Mercedes performance considering that. Really, all they did was jump the Ferraris, and it was more a case of the Ferraris falling back than the Mercedes getting ahead of them. Because, guys, I was told about an interview with Toto um, over the weekend, and I, I, I didn't hear it. It's only what I was told about the interview. Maybe one of you did. Their wind tunnel couldn't generate 200 mile an hour's worth of wind. So really? they're developed, they were developing their car up to 165, 170 miles an hour. And that's that's as much speed that they could generate in their wind tunnel. So that when they actually landed to race one, it it was a complete not a shock to them. Their, their purpose only starts from like 170 on. That seems like such a that's a known amazing. goal, isn't it? If if that so is obvious. the case. Mm. No, I didn't hear it myself now, but like no, let's dig into that because that, that seems so obvious, doesn't it? Yeah, like, I mean, so seemingly what was causing all this purpose was what they call a, some, a bulge somewhere that they had built into the floor. Mm-hmm. So they took this bulge away, flattened it out. I know that sounds so simple, but seemingly that's all they've done to the floor and the purpose is gone. Jeez. Just to look at that. amazing for what money that's spent in that sport. Mm. And Just for shows around the ship like Toto, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> It's people though. They didn't generate 200 miles an hour's worth of wind to test their aerodynamic package. So they're only testing up to like 170 miles an hour and then bringing it racing. I wonder, I wonder, is that a across the board in, in, in F1 teams or is it just seems like such a, such a major flaw to have for a team like yeah, Mercedes absolutely. if it's only one team but if it's the whole, maybe maybe it's some physics things that's just any roller road struggles with that but or not roller road wind tunnel so I'll have to look into that one I think yeah I think we should do like I, I just couldn't be- I couldn't believe it when I was told it today like I was like no way no way Seems well like so. if you look at the I suppose the turnover or the lack thereof with, with staffing and all it did seem kind of hard to believe that you could you know maybe not design a car as good as literally the best that's been out there for for so long because the people don't change i know the rules and regulations do you know there had to be something to it and you think about it now as was in hindsight which is always 2020 yeah but that's a when you think about red bull's designer he he was designing ground effect cars in the 80s probably mm. ferrari's guys probably the same i don't know mercedes little bit younger team yeah, I mean, mm. porpoise isn't a new thing. It's around, like you said, the, in the ground effect era. So, but look, it's it's very difficult to do what what they're doing in, in any you know Mercedes and all the rest of them. So, you know, like past performances that what they say in the banking ads, whatever past performance isn't an indicator of future success. Like it's no guarantee. You know, oh. just because the stocks were up last week doesn't mean they'll be up next week. So, mm. you know, they have to. And again, with a whole new set of uh, regulations, it's. Um, 
really is a clean sheet. So there's there's no guarantee that they're gonna. The, the previous cars were evolutions, of course, of of yeah. each other. So that's why the Mercedes did at it. But you know, you you, you get a you get a, a a clean sheet of paper, and you know we used to see that in the past, where just one, one team would just disappear off the face of the earth, like in terms of competitiveness, and uh, when a new set of rules come in. So it's not that unusual, really. Um, and it's a philosophy. That's the that's the real difference now. You keep hearing this word philosophy, where they 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 go down a certain route, a development route or a design route, and it's not just so easy as coming back. And you know we've seen it with with, with Aston Martin throwing the Red Bull side pods onto the car um, at 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 the weekend, and it didn't work. Like so, it's not just that easy. No, mm. definitely not. But just delving back to the Aston Martin Red Bull thing, so just reading up another little bit on it there over the weekend, uh, there is a large number of staff that went to Aston Martin for, for good money, I believe, from Red Bull. So while the information that's on file and kind of computerised or whatever is not freely available or should be, you can't stop the knowledge upstairs from going anywhere. I think that was uh, pretty much the way Horner put it. So... The thing is, though, how much change could we realistically see within the letter over the next few months that will give them improved performance? Like, um, and if they do, is it too obvious to suggest where it's after coming from? Aston Martin, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't see it happening, to be honest. I, I really don't. I, 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 I think you know, for whether it be whether it be coincidence or not, they do seem to be trying to shortcut their way to. The performance with the pink Mercedes from a couple of years ago, and, and the green Mercedes red bull now, the green green bull and the pink Mercedes. So yeah. I, I I don't know. I just think it's I don't know. I think you know the Lance Stroll element of it. You know, someone said running a Formula One team is a lot different from you know rebranding re- and and making money out of a clothing range or whatever other stuff he's done in the past. It's a it's a it's a long term at least five-year project to get a team to take any significant step up the grid, not just to the front now or anything. I'm talking about to get a, you know, to get Williams into the back of the midfield is a five-year project to get a Toro Rosso or a Alfa Tauri from the middle of the grid up to the back of the front is a five-year project. Any step is a five or six-year project. And I think Stroll is probably guilty of just being able to throw money at problems and them going away. And mm-hmm. it ain't going to happen in F1. It just doesn't work that way. Um, and I think these kind of copies, if that's what they are, or inspiration from <laughs> other cars, maybe might be the more you know the more delicate way of putting it. I, th- I I think he's looking for shortcuts, and he and and it reminds me of the Ferrari kind of years from the early nineties where they wanted everything. I was only listening to a, a podcast, in fact, with um, uh, Steve Nichols, the designer, the McLaren MP44, who went to Ferrari, and he just said. He, he he had a meeting with them and he says, I want it, you know, we're going to take four or five years to do this. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to win the first race next year. It's like, we're not, lads. We're, we're just not. like. And um, I wonder, is there a similar culture now in Aston Martin, a fear culture? Because uh, um, Stroll does seem to not take any shit from anybody, but that, you know, doesn't. I don't think it works in F1, unfortunately. So I, I don't see Aston Martin doing any great shakes, to be honest. Yeah, it's like, like Stroll is looking at, at uh, Red Bull and just saying, listen, I want what they have. I don't pay for it. Just give me what they have. But it's not quite that simple. Like, it's not, you can't just, it's not like formula classes or me and Barry racing each other, sharing information. We're only sharing tyre pressure, shock settings, things like that. Like, in the F1 world, that 
it just doesn't work that way. Like. Mm. Yeah, no. you can't. Well, he, what did he say a few years ago? He purchased information. Um, I remember the the statement actually. If you go back to it now, and it is on the Drive to Survive series, where he's making he's making that statement like it's it's really you know intense piece to camera stuff. Like you know, we will take no shit. This that and the other. I don't think you know. It, it, it's fair to say, or it goes without saying, that when things aren't going his way, the ties come out of pram a little bit want of a better phrase like it's just I'm so used to having it my own way and as you said Barry throw one of your problems I won't have it any other way but how long will that last for like you know if he could afford to be more patient which he's not and he's not going to be it's just not the way he is where could and should they be you know should have could have would as the fella said but well, if it's he was a bit more the patient you know what I mean too. I mean he brought in a guy from AMG to, 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 to be CEO of the road car division Um. I can't just think of his name now, but he came from AMG. He came from a serious, you know, he had a fairly decent CV, to put it mildly. Um, he came in to Aston Martin, and I think he was gone in 18 months. He left there a few weeks or months ago. Um, and read between the lines, it was, you know, something similar. It was just a kind of a, some some issue between him and Stroll of some sort anyways. that's like, That doesn't, you don't come in and out of a big company that quick in 18 months without there being major problems. And, um, no, I think I, I just don't think it's a good fit for for a Formula One team. I think you have to be a bit more long sighted than that. And you know whether it's personality or experience or his way of doing business. You know if 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 you're if you're play, imagine you're you're a designer or you're you're working at a reasonably high level in Aston Martin, and if you get something wrong, you know you're going to get the blow dryer effect. You know they're just screaming at you and shouting and maybe firing you and everything else. You're gonna be playing it safe, and you're gonna just take the easy option, the one you can't get fired with. You know, it's like they say in big business, nobody gets fired for buying a Dell computer. You know, it's a Dell computer. It should be a computer. If it doesn't, well, I don't know. I bought a Dell computer. That's you know, but to get fired from buy, try trying the, you know, a small you know, a small kind of boutique computer lineup. If it doesn't work, it's your fault. If you buy a Dell one, sure, I bought yeah. a Dell computer. It should be fine. So they don't make they don't make difficult decisions, and they start getting very corporate, and they start just kind of looking after themselves, and and, and they, they every decision is based on not getting fired, and that's no yeah. way to run an F one team. I think you're right, Barry. It's like it's like he brings the big bully attitude, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my way or no way, and if it's not it's in instant success. You're, you're out the gap, like you're gone, which is, I don't know, maybe that works in other applications or, but as you say, like if you're a designer and you're afraid to think outside the box for fear of being sacked, you, you ain't going to think outside the box. As you say, you're going to play it safe. You're going to develop a part that, like exactly what you said, a computer is a computer. I turned it on it doesn't work but like i mean it's it's yeah you know just a complete not a fear factor which as i say i don't know maybe that works in other applications in life but certainly not this one i don't think it works in too many of them lads because like it is an autocratic approach then isn't it because if you feel like you're on tender hooks the whole time are you going to perform your job day in day out to the best of your ability when you feel like you know the pressure's on or someone's kind of looking over you i don't think you are really are you no, but the difference no. is a lot of like geez, we're going off a tangent here, but like a, a lot of big, uh, you know, corporations will make money in spite of themselves. You know, mm-hmm. they're so big, they're they're behemoths. You know, they're just gonna they they they'll make money 
even if they're badly ran, you know, and the same lads, if they went in and tried to run a corner shop, they'd probably close it in a week, like, you know, because they just, they're not used to it, you know, and, and they then they start thinking that they're doing everything right, whereas in reality, they've just got a business that can literally set its own rates and decide how much money it's going to make. So, you know, not across the board, obviously, but a lot of corporations would be like that. So, but the thing about F1 is they, none of that matters. It doesn't matter. The stopwatch is the only thing that matters. And um, it's going to just, you know, it doesn't. It, it, it's it. It doesn't matter whether it's got a couple of mil in the bank or not. If you're the quickest, you're the quickest. End the story. And so I think F1 is very different to big corporations when it comes to that because the stopwatch don't like. Yeah, uh, we better not uh, keep your stopwatch taking over too much. I think we were getting a desk there. There, I might have copped the glance over the left shoulder. You did no. I just I seen something moving trouble. in the corner. No, there's just yeah. a miss coming in to get her phone. It's all good. <laughs> We're all right. <laughs> You're all good. You're not I didn't get the water yet. over my head just yet. I suppose I suppose we better start talking about the F one here again now before uh <laughs> before we do end up having to come to a premature finish. But uh, let's bring it to race day then. So we'll, we'll go in order of uh, events transpiring again. So obviously science doesn't get a great start, even though he's uh, you know, P three or whatever. Uh Russell gets off to a pretty good start and then obviously on the first lap there's a collision between Magnuson and Hamilton. Whose fault is that before we go anywhere? Magnuson. Go on, Richie. Richie, you're saying Magnuson. Uh, Barry? Yeah, I, I think if you had to apportion blame, it would be to, 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 to Kevin on that one. Um, it, it pretty much a racing incident, uh, but yeah, I think ultimately it, it, it was Kevin's. He didn't give... He, he was running right up against uh, Hamilton, and he just didn't allow any sort of uh, leeway from Hamilton. The only thing is, and I don't genuinely don't think it's Ham's fault, but every incident he gets into seems to be when someone's on his outside. I, I, you know, up until then, like previously, it was always, you always seem to understeer into people when they're on their outside. I don't think that's what happened this time, but it was awful similar. But I think it was definitely, yeah. it, it was, you couldn't really apportion any blame to Hamilton in that one. It was Magnuson, not on purpose, probably just, was just, was just riding his luck a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I suppose. Said he, he tried, tried him over around the outside and just kept things way too tight. Just didn't give himself enough leeway mm. in any way, shape or form. So no blame to lose there. In any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? While we're on the topic of Hamilton, let's let's just make this point then, right? So I said to both of you guys that when when you see him in the flesh, so I, I named off the few, right? So himself, uh, Leclerc, Max, and Russell, probably to a kind of to an extent, but not in the same bracket. There is something different for me, or it felt like there was something different about the way they were actually going on that track. Um, very hard to put the the finger on it, and I know. You've kind of explained stuff to me very off air. Uh, but it just, if you knew feck all about F1, which, look, I, I don't know a whole lot about myself as you, but if you knew feck all about F1 and you saw those guys, I just get the feeling you'd see and sense something different. Um, that's just how. If I they were all idea. wearing white helmets, you'd know, you'd have a good idea who was who. Like, Yeah, like. And not not, I not think, who was who, but you'd pick those three or four out. That's what you're saying. Like in, in the F2 race, the. I can't think he managed driving the Alpine. He came second in the end, but you could see there was something different about him as well. And he had he slipped back at, at one point. I can't think of his fucking name now. Um, but again, similar point. Um, even the the W Series race um, the day beforehand, you could tell something different there then as well. You know, but yeah, just different gravy. But I'm, I'm kind of covering two points with this. I want to go back to Hamilton in general. Then uh, you kind of had to see his fight back to believe it really and we were placed perfectly in Grandstand L to see it 
because after the spin or whatever, and he, he's getting back to grips, whatever thing, um, puncture, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. The Williams in front is just going out of sight underneath the Rolex sign coming into turn seven, isn't it? I think it's seven. And that's when you see Lewis coming down the straight. And within, literally within 10 laps, he's now at turn three when they're at the same point. And I, I know there's a difference between the Williams and the Mercedes, but even still, that's huge gains in a very yeah. short space of time. Uh, just an incredible fight back. That's that's all I can say. And to come, you know, fifth, I think is uh, I think is pretty decent as well. Like he he took signs as well. In would you say now like it is still fair to say that the Ferrari is probably still a bit quicker than Mercedes, even though they have made the improvements. Could you say that still? Can we say that still? Yeah, Ferrari is still quicker. Right, yeah. so without, he's without, gone and done science, even though it's a long straight and there's DRS and all that. He's still got well, and done it and did it the hard way. To your earlier point, Kevin, right? So as regard the likes of Hamilton, um, Max, Charles, those type of drivers, um, and I'm sure Barry will allude to this, it doesn't matter what you put those guys in. They'll always come to the forefront. Mm. It doesn't matter. Let it be a go-kart, a Formula Renault, Formula One car, a shopping trolley. <laughs> these guys will always come to the forefront. They're, they're, they're just naturally class, class basically. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Lewis was 33 seconds behind the last car exiting the pits after getting his puncture fixed or whatever. Like So, man, that was some drive to come from 33 <laughs> seconds behind the last car. To be on <laughs> looking at the finish fourth, that, that, that was a serious drive. Do you know what I was watching more so than because, like you said, Kevin, it's like chasing down and passing the Williams. It's impressive to watch, but it's still it's not a fair fight. Let's say in terms of equipment, um, and I'd love to I'd I'd love to love to understand from a kind of a what do they call a strategy point of view or just look at the lap times. How, how did he get within? Was it I can't remember what it was. Was it ten or you know a handful of seconds of, fin of behind Russell in the same car? That's mm. the bit that I can't get my head around. It, not the fact that he caught up on and got through the kind of 10 or 11 cars in between, because to be fair, the car difference there is a massive factor in, 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 in that. But to be able to go from whatever it was, 40-odd seconds behind Russell to be, I don't have the times in front of me, you know, like 10, 12, whatever it was, you know, a lot less by the end of it. I just would love to know how that's stri strategically possible. It would be yeah. worth looking at, you know. Was it? Is it just that he was that much faster than Russell? I find that hard to believe, you know, because he has, you know, the, the, at that level, is a bit of a glass ceiling. and he shouldn't be that much quicker than anybody. Um, so, I don't know, was it just strategy? There was no safety cars, as we know. Apparently, the first race in a long, long time without a safety car. Somebody said 35 races, but that seems hard to believe. But, um, yeah, no safety car of any description or VSC, which was unusual in itself. But, yeah, it might be worth having a look at, at the, the times that you know the lap charts and stuff to see how he managed to get that close to russell i thought that was the most impressive thing about his comeback actually that's the serious point now, now mm -hmm. that you do put it that way like because you could argue the point russell was in a titanic battle at the front which they would have been mm. tripping themselves up but lewis still had to come through the whole pack which is the same thing effectively um or more now maybe maybe lewis was picking up drs a good bit more than George was throughout the course of the race, but even still, that that's a serious point. That's worth looking at. Yeah, I thought that was that was what impressed me most. Or maybe not impressed me, just kind of had me scratching my head a little bit. Going, how was he? How'd it happen? Yeah, because <laughs> like 
you know, if they, to, by effect, then he he done the same on he done the same on uh, Verstappen and uh, Verstappen and Perez as well, obviously, and Leclerc up at that point. So um, I'm not sure. I suppose you had who who were we Verstappen spun or went off rather up a turn four there, or whatever it was, and uh, also uh, signed spun. So that would account mm-hmm. for. You know, closing the gap on those two, but um, Russell and and Perez and is interesting how we managed to close that in. Yeah, you know, was it just a better strategy? Maybe, maybe you just maybe you just looked into a better strategy by having to pit early. I'm not sure. Bit of credit for um, for stopping and science for doing something simple, but often forgotten about keeping the wheels moving on the gravel, lads. Do you know, yeah. like that they still had yeah. the wherewithal in you know high speed instant like that. Keep her taking over, lads. Yeah, um, come off the brakes as soon as you have you're not going to hit anything come off the brakes yeah, neither of them dropped rolling. massive places like I know science slipped down a bit further than Max did but geez, that could have been could have been a quite a lot worse but while we're talking about the Mercedes then and whether it's back at the pace of a Ferrari which the lads have said it's not and probably right or whatever I have to give serious credit to George Russell for his display of defensive driving if that's the case in terms of keeping Max behind because Max had a couple of right good goals at him, and Russell was absolutely brilliant. And as you always say, it's easier to be uh, the was it the hound and the hare. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, it was in the end, Checo actually passed him. You know, it wasn't Max that passed him. Max paid. Checo passed him. And here comes the segue, lads. I mean, it is the elephant in the room. So we sat down last night, and it's mad. Graham was thinking like and all that, but it was just. Uh, yeah, it just came to mind that if the team orders didn't come into play, how the table would look. So I think how the table would look would have been the Clare on 104, uh, Max 103 and Perez 92. So 12 points between them. Uh, now it's not the case. So Max is on 110, Clare is on 104. And I'm just going to have to get the standings again. I know I put in a screenshot there last night. Perez is on 85. And you heard what he said on the radio. He said, that's very unfair, but okay. Um, I also went and listened to most of his radio throughout the thing, which is a nice five-minute video on uh, YouTube. If I can give the credit to the person, I will. Is it F1? Wasn't F1 Illustrated? Uh, something like that, anyway. But uh, great video there, which gives a timeline of the messages that went through. And you can almost tell the information that's going through while... Obviously, there's a lot of reassurance for the driver. You can just tell it the higher power is kicking in. And how that's actually disguised, even though... You know how honest is honesty, I suppose, in all of this. But you can just tell there's something that is going on, um, and t- for a battle so close like that to be decided so early, and to put your stall out, set your stall out, and say, "I'm picking one over the other," despite the fact that Checo on certain laps is putting in much better times. I don't know. I think that's that is a big and point, lads. Didn't make a mistake. It was McMax who made the mistake, <laughs> if you want to call it that. And you know, it's an interesting point how him and. And uh, signs how little it took for them to, to go off the track. Just a, literally a gust of wind was all that took them off the track. Um, such as, you know, the, how, how on the edge they are, I suppose, these days in new cars. But at the end of the day, Perez was there because he didn't make the mistake that uh, Verstappen did. And that's, it's a bit, it's the wrong way around. I mean, if they asked Perez to move over because he'd made a mistake or, you know, vice versa, you know, there'd be some excuse for it. But at the end of the day, he'd done nothing wrong. And he was moved over, and the real killer line out of all the radio messages for the whole race was when Max was on a slowdown lap. And he said, thanks to Checo, he's a great teammate. 
I mean, yeah. Jesus, that's the last thing you want your teammate to say to you. <clears throat> it's con- that, it seems condescending now, doesn't it? Oh, uh, and I, I probably wasn't, but like that, if that, if I heard that back, and if I was in Checo's car and I heard that in the warm up lap, I think I'd just park and get out, like just be like, yeah, good luck, lads. Because that, I, I mean, I think that summed up. I think that's almost how little. I won't say respect because it's definitely not the right word, but I just don't think any part of Verstappen considers him anything other than a supporting player in terms of Perez, you know, and um, I, I think it's very telling. And I, I'd say Perez, if we did hear that radio message back after the race, wouldn't have liked it one bit. Well, what you said at the very end just before bringing Richie was uh, anytime, like, I can't think of all, I don't know the names of the lads that will be talking to the drivers. I don't know all of them. I know Bono's one anyway, isn't he? Uh, yeah. But basically it was like, yep, we'll chat later, mate. So he's obviously cognizant that everyone is listening or whatever and everyone has access to it. We'll chat later. So you can tell he's pretty pissed and rightly so. But I suppose, Richie, I'll bring you in on this then. What is, could you make a theory, right? We all know Max is the golden boy. We've said this. We've said it for some time on this podcast. But... If you take it back all those years to Prost and Senna and the situation that transpired, would there be an element of Horner possibly looking at avoiding a similar situation by doing that? I, I'm not sure it will come into his mind yesterday, but in general, that's a possible problem that could present itself, yeah? And your team all of a sudden has a slight bit of division because even though, look, there could be animosity going on behind the scenes, we don't know. But if that becomes a, a fight, then does the team suffer? Is this, is this the thought process? Or has the team suffered now because of what's happened? Well, if there wasn't a division, there certainly is after yesterday. Um, like, we're six races in with 20-odd to go. I mean, Checo, they should have let Checo win the race. Max finished second. Like, loads of time left. And it would have shown great unity within the team. Like, to me, and, and I think anyone else looking at Red Bull at the moment, nobody on that team... Nobody like expects Checo as a number one driver. And I mean, even his own engineers at this stage are probably resided to the fact we're racing for second, which is never, ever good, especially so early in the season. Like, and as, as, as Barry and yourself alluded to, made no mistakes, big, perfect race, more or less, got himself in a position to win the race. He should have been let win the race. And I think... That might have even galvanised the team a bit more, like going forward. Um, Checo would have been a much happier driver sitting in his seat. And um, the next time Checo was asked to move one side, it would have made that so much easier. But after yesterday, I mean, geez, if I'm Checo, like I'm fuming, oh, I'm raging. Um, like, I'm like, it's and, the only they, they could have even there was a they could. They could have just let him race, even. They didn't have to give the win to Checo because I reckon Verstappen would have won it anyways. And they could, so they could have just said, "Right, lads, you know, don't do anything stupid, but off his go." Why, why do you reckon race. he would have won any of Barry just out of interest? What's he's just faster? To be perfectly honest with you, I think Verstappen's think, just yeah. just quicker, and like maybe not you know every lap or whatever. But I think you know, given given a race distance and you know equal car, I think yeah. You know, Nine times out of ten, just happened to beat him. Like most days, I agree. With, I suppose we'd have to go through all the times that lapsed yesterday, really. But P- Perez's pace yesterday was, mm. yeah, it's it's a, it's a big point to make, like considering the performance he put in yesterday. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, the other thing you got to bear in mind as well with lap times, Kevin, is, you know, if a guy is leading the race and he's leading it comfortably, he's not worried too much about lap times. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the job is to get the car home, whereas the guy's kind of chasing someone down, it's a little bit different. So, um, ah, yeah, context, you yeah. know, there'd be a little bit, there could, could be, I don't know, could be a little bit of that to it. But I think, I think all things being equal, you put Max and you put Checo in the same car, Max is going to win most of the time. So I think the team could yeah. have done that. But, um, yeah, to your point, the Senna and Prost thing, I know there's always, like, I mean, again, another podcast, I didn't listen to these F1 podcasts, to be honest, I'll be out on the road or driving and all, I'm always listening to various older stuff. I love to listen to, the, you know, 80s and 90s and, you know, lads that are allowed to talk about what happened now, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the kind of, the, the curfews have been broke or the, what, the moratoriums and all this, they can talk about whatever they want, like. Um, but was, I listened to one, of, it was uh, the, the designer again, McLaren, and he was talking about um, Senna and Prost and Hakkinen and Coulthard and all these teammates of McLaren during the year, and basically, the, you know, without going into specifics, he's saying that the Ron Dennis always had a favorite, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a driver, um, and it wouldn't, so it's you know, just someone he preferred, like whatever, uh, and it made the other driver very, very, you know, lacking in confidence, let's say, and always questioning it and worrying about it. and you know, maybe and there probably is that with with Verstappen and Red Bull and Horner and all the rest of them. You know, why wouldn't there be? Like he ha- he he literally does, you know, outperform the car or he did for a long time. I kept him in the races where they wouldn't be at all. So that's that's not unusual. Um, maybe they just don't really care that much if if Perez isn't that happy. Like you know, it's, it's, you know, yeah. So like know, I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking if right if Max is only one point off lead right at this early stage instead of being six points clear is that the end of the world and uh, the second part of this point is if Perez takes the win then and this is the most important part what what was actually better for team morale overall team morale yesterday see Perez win right I have two drivers in the fight Perez is happy maybe Max isn't happy but overall there's much more people happy I would say in the Red Bull camp if Perez goes and wins it but yet it seems like are they just playing to keep one lad happy or maybe two. We'll try and he's out by there, there too. There, there's no way they they would they they could have would have, and even if they did, it wouldn't be listened to. Told Max not to pass Perez. Yeah, there's, like there's no way that was going to happen. They were never going to get onto the radio and say Max, don't race Sergio. Just sit behind him, because they it'd be very unusual for them to say it in the first place and they know they may as well be just talking to the wall like because there's no way Verstappen because Verstappen has such authority in the team that he would just go fuck is I'm passing on good luck right and it, there'd be no question about it like um so they what they can't say to Max what they can say to Sergio doesn't because they're two totally different power power structures at play there if you like um so the only option they had was just you know either do what they did or let them race you know, mm. that was it. And I think let them race would have, you know, would have been probably say, the best so option. In, in a word, then, I'm going to ask this to you, what, what would you have done if you were Christian Horner than Essay? Well, I, 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 at this point in the season, I'd abs- I, I just say, right, lads, don't do anything stupid. Both cars have to finish, but may the best man win. Off he's a go. Okay, Richie? Yeah, without a doubt. Have a race. Um, don't, in, don't instruct Sergio to move on side. Like, right. Absolute zero contact. But go on, have a go at one another, and let's see who comes out on top. Definitely, like, but 
Jeez, the six rest is in and being told to move on side. Yeah. Ironically, so it's not a problem Ferrari have because uh, science just, uh, you know, isn't posing the same problems. Like. Yeah, Man, organically, he, that's sort of the self out, hasn't it? He mm. needs a couple of big races very, very soon. Very yeah. soon. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's he, he, you know, it's funny, isn't it, almost? Ferrari are in a better position because their second driver isn't as quick like <laughs> as 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 Red Bull's second driver or potentially so it actually puts them in a slightly cleaner position, um, which is really ironic. Considering the Ferrari Ferrari, as well. from, a, from a championship point of view, if Perez had to win in the race yesterday, it brings Perez into the top three battle that bit more, and still. Max is well within shooting distance of Charles. So maybe championship wise, maybe they might have been better if Perez had won that race. Yeah, maybe. The next problem they'd have then though is they start taking points off each other. You know, so they, they you know, instead of if if a, as it looks now, if a Ferrari, if a Ferrari is gonna win, it's nearly always gonna be Charles. Charles, yeah. Um no, I know Perez. You know he's not exactly racking up the wins either, anyways. And he, you know it's a slightly, but it's it's it looks like it's more more possible and likely for the Red Bulls to take points off each other than the Ferraris to take points off each other. So maybe Red Bull are actually only reacting to the natural or organic, as you call it, situation, Kevin. That's in in Ferrari. They have to just do it maybe a little bit more, you know, black and white and digitally, and just say, listen, pull pull over, let them buy. So. I don't know. I just, I just, it's so early. That's the thing. It's six, six races yeah. in. There's another fifth, what, 16 to go or something. So it's, it, it, it's very early to do that. And I think it's very probably demoralizing for Perez. But look, maybe Red Bull don't care. Maybe Red Bull is like, listen, we're paying you, I don't know, eight million quid a year. Do as you're told. Sunshine, you know, don't, don't presume that they're, you know, th- 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 these lads are all trying to be, I'm sure they're all friendly and all the rest of it. But, big business and it's big sport and you know egos might just get in the way and the red bull might just go sorry sergio it's your job like you know suck mm-hmm. it up princess there's a uh, comments well, coming in actually we should have said that before we move on sorry richie uh people can comment underneath the, the stream there if they want on facebook and youtube and twitter but uh, mike dermody has been in touch and uh, he has said look what red bull done to gasly's confidence which is another fair point uh mm-hmm. you know he's uh and and he, oh, geez, there was no better victory, was there? When Gazi actually got his race win, it felt felt really good and justified for him. But, um, but th- this yeah. is a point, though, Kevin. The teams aren't there as conduits for the drivers to do well. You, you see, we look at it that way from the outside looking in. We look at it as the drivers are the, you know, the teams are providing cars for the drivers. That's the way the, the fan base kind of looks at it. The teams look at it totally different. The teams look at it as the drivers are driving our car and we're paying them. Yeah, you know, so so they're not like if if Gasly, his confidence is shook and he wasn't treated particularly well, you know, yeah, the the fan base and more so now with the drive to survive sort of fan base is you know, oh, you know, oh, oh poor Pierre, and that's not nice, and God, you know, you know, God love him and all the rest of it, but like the teams don't give a shit to be perfectly honest. They're no. you're here to do a job, you're getting paid top dollar to do it. If you can't do it, you know, there's a queue over there, a lads ready to do it, like so. You know, I think we it's need to. A, it's a results-based sports, like. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not fucking getting the results, you're not going to be. You're not going to be kept. For um. they'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Like I know what they've done to Gasly's um, 
confidence, but a lot of that was down to Gasly. Like you get thrown into the cooker, you have to perform. Like it's it's you know Max was able to perform. So I mean, yeah, yeah. they're not know, there for there, the drivers. They're not there to make driven. the drivers' life easy. Mm. Exactly. It's and I think that is sometimes is lost. I think people just forget that it is the end of the day. The driver is an employee of the team. You know, some of them are bigger than others in terms of popularity and power and everything else. But do you think, you know, Dietrich Mastic or Helmut Marco or uh, any of these guys are lying in bed at night going, you know what? He's not really doing that well, but Jay's he's an awful nice young fella. <laughs> we'll give him another year. There's no chance. Like, that's what people Helmut are actually Marco when you break it down. I do really, bracket. huh? I'd be putting Helmut Marco in like a Lance Stroll, maybe not a severe bracket. Like you, you don't mess with Helmut Marco. Like no, it's he's like, that type of character as well. Like. Yeah, it's not. That's not. It's not what's happening. They're not going to go and sacrifice a whole year of potential results just to be nice to Pierre Gasly. Like, hmm. Yeah, there we go, lads. Um, I suppose we're on the fifty-minute mark. We try to keep this between forty-five and an hour. Uh, before we move on to Monaco and. Uh, look, I'll get the grumbles out of the way first, actually. Lads, sort out the fucking buses as well while you're at it over in Barcelona because it was an absolute joke. So, you need to get PFT over there. Yeah. Ah, just PFT travel. There you go See, now. There the you boys, go. Get MJ and the boys over there. Get a whole fleet. Now. Well, I guarantee yeah. if MJ Farrell had literally uh, a block of buses going the whole way around where the queue was, he wouldn't be waiting for everyone to go up to the fucking front of it. He'd be saying, jump on the nearest one. Which is what it's the boys like did. The foundry a half tree. Be grand. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, as bad as what we thought we were, and we may have gone to a queue at a, a place that we shouldn't have got into it, but we did. Uh, we only had to wait an hour. Others were two and three hours, I think. Uh, people then tried to get trains, which I believe were booked, Jesus, was it eight times over or something? And there wasn't enough trains, and people were left there. Uh, just reading reports, taxis between 200 and 400 quid they were looking for a 40 minute journey from the train station then because they knew that the man was there um, it's baking heat as well it's 35 degrees heat lads like, even at that hour of the evening you know it was it was mad shit so please get that together I know the promoter has made a point already that they are going to say right lads sort your shit out and they should it was very very poor I will never say a bad word about Crow Park the Aviva the Tree Arena Parky Cueve any of these fucking places ever again <laughs> after that shit over the weekend I'll be straight with you but as a spectacle it was incredible. Second point that's nothing to do with Monaco. If you have a bit of spare time, go on to YouTube and look up the live version of the F1 team tune. Not just for that, which is incredible. Look at the comments underneath it. You will break your whole laughing at it. There's one there about playing it. Uh, I'll just give one. There's one there about playing it at mass. <laughs> they, played this, they played this at mass the other day and my pastor turned into Maldonado, which I thought was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> pastor into Maldonado. <laughs> Uh, but yeah that's the table the iceberg stuff so yeah Monaco um, yeah could be Jesus, wet world, from hearing worlds apart worlds could apart be a wet from one too Kevin they're again. talking about talking about rain in Monaco it's been coming that could be interesting take it off the camera not a fan Richie ah, I am really? a fan but, it, but it's always a shit rest always it's just I, too I, tight I, are the cars too big is it at the moment, I, that's what people are saying, yeah. The circuit, like it's it's. Listen, Monaco is Monaco. It's iconic. It's isn't. I, I, I am a fan, but I'm not a fan of the race. It's always boring. Always. You're a fan of the event, but not the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I was lucky enough mm. to be in Monaco a few years ago. My my now good wife Andrea got me tickets for my thirtieth uh, birthday, and we went there a few years back. And uh, yeah, it's it's mega to be fair. As if, you know, but hard to believe that's uh, twenty years ago now, Barry. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we don't have time for the writing and story now. We don't have time for that. No, 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 no. Yeah, tell you who was it that won? Yeah, not that now. Veal number someone. Um, <laughs> go on, sorry, go on. <laughs> it was uh, it wasn't there yesterday, unfortunately. But yeah, it was uh, it was a few years back. But it was as an event, it's it's definitely one to do, you know. But it's more about the event than the actual than the the race because it's not a race. It's 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 a, it's it's a parade after qualifying. But having said that, watching them drive around there is just phenomenal, you know. Um, just seeing how they try the cars through there is 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 worth it on its own. And but the race itself is 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 not great. Head to the bar for that. <laughs> yeah, we can't we we can't sit here and talk about that then and uh, and not hold it accountable as equal as we did from Miami, though, can we? I suppose that's the other side of it. Um, by the way, lads, uh, may or may not, I'd say most likely not going to have a podcast after Monaco, unfortunately, just because I'm out of office for a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> and it just happened to be the honeymoon as well, which didn't get to go on last year. So if I bring oh, the I laptop and start doing podcasts, yeah, uh, I could be, be divorced before I fucking even made the year. <laughs> <Short> yeah, marriage. <laughs> so we probably won't have one after after Monaco. But uh, yeah, probably we'll no need to. for one, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, you're you're absolutely optimistic as hell about this, aren't you? Rich? <laughs> the only thing that might save it is if it's wet. That's the only thing that might save the race, not the spectacle, but the race. Yeah. yeah. I wonder will Leclerc avoid a tape this time? Because even there recently in that last six thing, he was out and like he had a bit of a tip there. Um, oh, just that. Yeah. Do you know what's no, mad? Because he's living there in the whole lot. Like, yeah. It's, uh... Well, to be fair, that was a complete mechanical failure. The front left brake disc exploded on that car. That's what oh, happened. It okay. literally Shit exploded. Yeah, and and, and just wiped out. So he'd only rear brake, so not his yeah. fault. But yeah, it'll still... It'll, but still, it's, though, that's Nicky on car. Well, it was in the wall in the pit straight the year before. Because remember, did you see the race from last year? The Monaco historic race from last year? No. Lads, when you looked up the live... After you've looked up the live orchestra version of the uh, the theme tune, <laughs> go and look up um, Monaco Historic. It was last year, 2021, uh, Jean That If you just search that on YouTube, just watch that race. Absolutely. It was it was Jean Alessi in that same Ferrari, the Nicky Laudas Ferrari. Um, and there's a guy called Marco Werner, who's a professional racing driver who would have done DTM and stuff like that, driving a JPS Lotus. And the two of them went at it for 20 or 25 laps around Monaco. Some of the best racing you'll ever see. Uh, go, go, go and have a look at that. It'd be well worth your while over a cup of tea. Definitely have a look. Definitely. We'll um, find a link okay. first. We'll throw a link up somewhere. Yeah, definitely do. Uh, predictions, lads, then. Very quickly. I think Leclerc's going to go on pole. Um, but I don't know if he's going to win the race again because it just seems to be a, a team. But uh, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go on Leclerc, Leclerc anyway because he needs it and I think he will do it. Baz? Verstappen. Verstappen, Paul. I think Verstappen, Verstappen will win. get Paul, which means he'll win the race. Um, but, yeah, I think Leclerc, I think still going to be a little something in the back of his head about it being Monaco. And he might just might just hold back a little bit and that might be enough to give a chink of light for Verstappen to put it on the front row and drive away then. Hope you step, Richie. I'm going with you. Leclerc, Leclerc. I think Leclerc, Paul, Leclerc win. There we go. 
That's a reliever. Lads, thanks a million. Uh, really enjoyed doing it live. Uh, we'll say thanks to PFT Travel as well. Uh, again, cater for all your transport requirements. Uh, and as Barry segued nicely there, maybe it'll start out the Barcelona problem next year. <laughs> From a private minibus to our luxury air-conditioned coaches, we've got the perfect solution for you in travelling comfort. Drive in style with PFT Travel. You can contact MJ on 087-624-8831 or email pfarrelltransport.com. You can also find them on Facebook at Transport. Limited. Barry, Richie, really enjoyed it. Thanks a million, lads. Thanks, boys. Enjoy the honeymoon. Thanks, Will. Cheers. Will do. So just before we finish up as well, just to mention that you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and on Instagram at IrishF1 Show. And thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks to everyone that's listening on Spotify, Apple, and Google as well. We'll try to get that up in the next 30 minutes or so. That's generally in around the ballpark of when it gets to those locations. Uh, until next time, take care.